0: God adventures today i will be reading percy jackson and the olympians the lightning thief book one chapter one i accidentally vaporized my pre-algebra teacher okay let's start oh first i want to thank you all for listening and also You may have noticed that I said the first episode would launch September 19th, 2021, but it's actually launching September 17th, so that is happening. Well, anyway, let's begin. I accidentally vaporized my pre-algebra teacher. Look, I didn't want to be a half-blood. If you're reading this because you think it might be one, you might be one, my advice is close this book right now. Believe whatever lie your mom or dad told you about your birth and try to lead a normal life. Being a Half-Blood is dangerous. It's scary. Most of the time it gets you killed in painful, nasty ways. But if you're a normal kid, reading is because you think it's fiction, great. Read on. I envy you for being able to believe that none of this ever happened. But if you recognize yourself in these pages, if you feel something stirring inside, stop reading immediately. You might be one of us. And once you know that, it's only a matter of time for they sense it too. And they'll come for you. Don't say I didn't warn you. My name is Percy Jackson. I'm 12 years old. Until a few months ago, I was a boarding student at Yancey Academy, the private school for troubled kids in upstate New York. Am I a troubled kid? Yeah, you could say that. I could start at any point in my short, miserable life to prove it. But things really started getting going bad last May, when our sixth grade class took a field trip to Manhattan. 28 mental case kids and two teachers on a yellow school bus, heading to the Metropolitan Museum of Art to look at ancient Greek and Roman stuff. I know, it sounds like torture. Most fancy field trips were. But Mr. Brunner, our Latin teacher, was leading this trip, so I had hopes. Mr. Brunner was this middle-aged guy in a motorized wheelchair. He had thinning hair and scruffy beard and a frayed tweed jacket, which always smelled like coffee. You wouldn't think he'd be cool, but he told stories and jokes and let us play games in class. He also had this awesome collection of Roman armor and weapons, so he was the only teacher whose class didn't put me to sleep. I hoped this the trip would be okay. At least, I hoped that for once, I wouldn't get in trouble. Boy, I was wrong. See, bad things happen to me on field trips. Like at my fifth grade school, when we we're when we went to the Saratoga Battlefield, I had this accident with a Revolutionary War Cannon. I wasn't aiming for the school bus, but of course I got expelled anyway. And the time before that, at my fourth grade school, we took a behind-the-scenes tour of the Marine World Shark Pool. I sort of hit the wrong lever on the catwalk, and our class took an unplanned swim. And the time before that, well, you get the idea. This trip, I was determined to be good. All the way up into the city, I put up with Nancy Bobfoot the freckly, red-headed kleptomaniac girl, hitting my best friend Grover in the back of the head with chunks of peanut butter and ketchup sandwich. Ew. Grover was an easy target. He was scrawny. He cried when he got frustrated. He must have been held back several grades because he was the only one. He was the only sixth grader with acne and the start of a wispy beard on his chin. On top of all that, he was crippled. He even had no excusing him from PE for the rest of his life because he had some type of muscular disease in his legs. He walked funny, like every step hurt him. But don't let that fool you. You should have seen him run when it was enchilada day at the cafeteria. Anyway, Nancy Bubbleset was throwing wads of sandwich that stuck in his curly brown hair, and she knew I couldn't do anything because I was already on suspension. Because I was already on probation, the headmaster had threatened me with death by in-school suspension if anything bad, embarrassing, or even mildly entertaining happened on this trip. I'm going to kill her. I mumbled. Grover tried to calm me down. It's okay. I like peanut butter. He dodged another piece of Nancy's lunch. That's it. I started to get up, but Grover pulled me back into my seat. You're already on probation. You know who get blamed if anything happens. Looking back on it, I wished I'd decked Nancy Boba Fett right then and there. In school suspension would have been nothing compared to what the mess I was about to get myself into. Okay, guys, this is a good place to take a break. So if you're reading along with me, you might want to put a bookmark in and go get a drink of water. So you're going to pause this recording, and when you come back, I will keep reading. Okay. Okay, are you ready? Let's keep reading. Mr. Bunner led the museum tour. He rode up in the front of his wheelchair, guiding us through the big echoey galleries, past marble statues and glass cases full of really old black and orange pottery. It blew my mind that this stuff had survived for 2,000, 3,000 years. He gathered us around a 13 tall stone column with a big sphinx on the top. And it started telling us and he started telling us how it was a grave marker, a stele, for a girl about our age. He told us about the carvings on the side, and I was trying to listen about what he had to say, but it kind of, because it was kind of interesting, but everybody around me was talking, and every time I told them to shut up, the other teacher chaperone, Miss Dodds, would give me the evil eye. Hey, listeners, I'm really sorry about this, but my voice is kind of hurting. So if you want, you can skip a few minutes and I will continue reading. But for now, I'm just going to be a bit quiet because my throat hurts. Miss Dodds was this little math teacher from Georgia who always wore a black leather jacket, even though she was 50 years old. She looked mean enough to write a Harley right into your locker. She'd come to Nancy halfway through the year, when our last math teacher had a nervous breakdown. From her first day, Miss Dodds loved Nancy Boba Fett and figured I was devil spawn. She'd point her crooked finger at me and say, Now, honey, real sweet, and I knew I was going to get after-school detention for a month. One time, after she'd made me erase answers out of old math worksheets until midnight, I told Grover I didn't think she was human. He looked at me, real serious, and said, You're absolutely right. (laughs) Mr. Bunner kept talking about Greek funeral art. Finally, Nancy Boba snickered something about naked guy and Stila. I turned around and said, Will you shut up? It came out louder than I meant it to. The whole group laughed. Mr. Bunner stopped his story. Percy Jackson, did you have a comment? My face was totally red. No, sir. Perhaps you'd tell us what this picture represents. I looked at the carving and felt a flush of relief because I actually recognized it. That's Cronus eating his kids, right? Yes, Mr. Bunner said. Obviously not satisfied. And he did this because? Well, I racked my brain to remember. Kronos was the king god and god, mister Bonner asked? Titan, I corrected myself, and he didn't trust his kids who were the gods. So um Kronos ate them, right? But his wife hid baby Zeus and gave Kronos the rock to eat instead. And and later when Zeus grew up, he tricked his dad and Kronos into barfing up his brothers and sisters. Ew, one of the girls said behind me. And so there was this big fight between the gods and the titans. And the gods won. Some snickers from the group. Behind me, Nancy Belfort mumbled to a friend, like we're going to use this in real life, like it's going to stay on our job application. Please explain why Kronos ate his kids. And why, Mr. Jackson? The Miss. But Fitt's excellent question. Does this matter in real life? Busted, Grover muttered. Shut up, Nancy hissed. Her face was even brighter red than her hair. At least Nancy got packed, too. Mr. Brenner was the only one who ever caught her saying anything wrong. He had raider ears. I thought about his question and shrugged. I don't know, sir. <laughs> I see. Mr. Brenner looked disappointed. Well, half credit, Mr. Jackson, Zeus did indeed feed Cronos a mixture of mustard and wine, which made him discord his other five children, which had been growing which, who of course, being immortal gods, had been living and growing up completely undigested in the Titan's stomach. The gods defeated their father, sliced him into pieces, pieces with his own skies and scattered his remains in Tartarus, the darkest part of the underworld. On that happy note, it's time for lunch. Miss Dodds, would you lead us back outside? The class drifted off, the girls holding their stomachs, the guys pushing each other around and acting like doofuses. Grover and I were about to follow and Mr. Brunner said, Mr. Jackson. I knew that was coming. I told Grover to keep going. Then I turned toward Mr. Brunner. Sir, Mr. Brunner had this look that wouldn't let you go, intense brown eyes that could have been a thousand years old and had seen everything. You must learn to answer my question, Mr. Brunner told me, about the Titans, about real life and how your studies apply to it. Oh, what you learn from me, he said, is vitally important. I expect you to treat it as such. I expect you to treat it as such. I will accept only the best from you, Percy Jackson. I wanted to get angry. This guy pushed me so hard. I mean, sure, it was kind of cool on tournament days when he dressed up in a suit of Roman armor and shouted, What ho! and challenged us, sword point against chalk, to run to the board and name every Greek and Roman person who had ever lived, and their mother and what god they worshipped. But Mr. Brunner expected me to do just as good as everyone else, despite the fact that I had dyslexia and attention deficit disorder and had never made above a C in my life. No, he didn't expect me to do as good. He expected me to do better. And I couldn't learn with all those names and facts, much less spell them correctly. I mumbled something about trying harder. While Mr. Brunner took one look one long sad look at the like he'd been at this girl's funeral he told me to go outside and eat my lunch the class gathered on the front steps of the museum we could watch the foot traffic along fifth avenue overhead a huge storm was brewing with crowds blacker than i'd ever seen over the city i figured maybe it was global warming or something, because the weather all across New York State had been weird since Christmas. We'd have massive stort- snowstorms, flooding, wildfires from lightning strikes. I wouldn't have been surprised if this was a hurricane blowing in. Nobody else seemed to notice. Some of the guys were pelting pigeons with Lunchables crackers. Nancy Boba Fett was trying to pickpocket something from a lady's purse. And of course, Miss Dodds wasn't seeing a thing. Grover and I sat on the edge of a fountain, away from the others. We thought that if maybe we did that, everyone would know that we were from that school. This school for loser freaks who couldn't make it elsewhere. Detention? Grover asked. Nah, not from Brenner. I wish he would lay off me sometimes. I mean, I'm not a genius. Grover didn't say anything for a while. And then I thought he was going to give me some deep philosophical comment to make me feel better. He said, Can I apple i didn't have to make i didn't have much of an appetite so i let him take it i watched the stream of calves going through fifth avenue and thought about my mom's apartment only a little ways uptown from where we sat i hadn't seen her since christmas i wanted so bad to jump into a taxi and head home she'd hug me and be glad to see me but she'd be disappointed too she'd send me right back to yancey academy and remind me to try harder even if it was my sixth six school in six years and it was probably going to, get, going to get kicked out again, I wouldn't be able to stand that sad look she'd give me. Mr. Brunner parked his wheelchair at the base of the handicapped ramp. He ate celery while his, he read a, a paperback novel. The red umbrella stuck up from the back of his chair, making it look like a motorized cafe table. I was about to unwrap my sandwich when Nancy Boba Fett appeared in front of me with her ugly friends. I guess she'd gotten tired of stealing from tourists, and she dumped her half-eaten lunch in Grover's lap. Oops, she grinned at me with her crooked teeth. Her freckles were orange, as if someone had spray-painted her face with liquid che- Cheetos. I tried to stay cool. The, girl, the school counselor had told me a million times, count to ten, control your temper. I was so mad my mind went blank. A wave roared in my ears. I don't remember touching her, but the next thing I knew, Nancy was sitting on her butt in the fountain, screaming, Percy pissed me! Miss Dodds materialized next to us. Some of the kids were whispering, did you see the water? Like, it grabbed her. I didn't know what they were talking about. All I knew was that I was in trouble again. As soon as Miss Dodds was sure poor little Nancy was okay, promising to get her a new shirt from the museum, from the museum shop, from the museum gift shop, etc., etc., Miss Dodds turned on me. There was a triumphant fire in her eyes, as if I'd done something she'd been waiting for all semester. Now, honey... I know, I grumbled. A month erasing workbooks. That wasn't the right thing to say. Come with me, Miss Dodd said. Wait, it was me. I pushed her, Grover said. I stared at him, stunned. I couldn't believe he was trying to cover for me. Miss Dodd scared Grover to death. I stared at him so hard his whiskery chin trembled. I don't think so, Mr. Underwood. But you will stay here. Grover looked at me desperately. It's okay, man, I told him. Thanks for trying. Honey, Miss Dodds barked at me. Now. Nancy Bobafoot smirked. I gave her my disclude, I'll kill you later stare. Stare. And then I turned to face Miss Dodds, but she wasn't there. She was standing at the museum entrance, way at the top of the steps, gesturing impatiently for me to come on. I have moments like that a lot, when my brain falls asleep or something, and the next thing I know, I've missed something, as if a puzzle piece fell out of the universe and left me staring at a blank piece behind it. The school counselor was, said this was part of my ADHD, sheet, my brain, in misinterpreting things. I wasn't so sure. I went after Miss Dodds. Halfway up the steps, I glanced back at Grover. He was turning pale cutting his eyes between me and Mr. Brunner, like he wanted Mr. Brunner to notice what was going on, but Mr. Brunner was absorbed in his novel. I looked back up, Miss Dodds had disappeared again, but now she's inside the building, at the edge of the entrance hall. Okay, I thought, she's going to make me buy a new t-shirt for Nancy at the gift shop, but apparently that wasn't the plan. I followed her deeper into the museum, then finally caught up with her. We were back in the Greek and Roman section, Except for us, the gallery was empty. Miss Dodds stood with her arms crossed in front of a big marble frieze of Greek gods. She was making this weird noise in her throat, like growling. Even without the noise, I would have been nervous. It's weird being alone with the teacher, especially Miss Dodds. Something about the way she looked at the frieze made me want to pulverize it. I liked she wanted to pulverize it. You've been giving us problems, honey. I did the same thing. I said, yes, ma'am. She tugged on the cuffs of her leather sh- jacket. Did you really think you could get away with it? I looked. The look in her eyes was beyond mad. It was evil. She's a teacher, I thought nervously. It's not like she's going to hurt me. I said, I- I'll, I- I'll try harder, ma'am. The thunder shook the building. We are not fools, Percy Jackson, Miss Dodd said. It was only a matter of time before we found you. Confess, and you will suffer less pain. I didn't know what she was talking about. All I could think of was that the teachers must have found an illegal stash of candy I'd been selling out of my dorm room. Or maybe she'd realized I got my essay on Tom Sawyer from the internet without even reading the book, and now they're going to take away my grade, Or worse, they're going to make me read the book. Well, she managed. Ma'am, I don't. Your time is up, she hissed. Then the weirdest thing happened. Her eyes began to glow like barbecue coals. Her fingers stretched, turning into talons. Her jacket melted into large, leathery leathery wings. She wasn't human. She was a shriveled hag with bat wings and claws and a mouthful of yellow fangs. And she was about to slice me to ribbons. Then things got even stranger. Mr. Brunner, who'd been in the front of the museum a minute before, wheeled his chair into the doorway of the gallery, holding up a pen in his hand. What ho, Percy! He shouted and tossed me the pen through the air. Miss Dodds lunged at me with a yelp. I dodged and felt cl- talons slashing the air next to my ear. I snapped the ballpoint pen out of the air, but then it hit my when it hit my hand. It wasn't a pen anymore; it was a sword. Mister Brunner's bronze sword, which he always used on tournament day. Mister Miss Dodds spun around. Towards me, with was a murderous look in her eyes. My knees were jelly. My hands were shaking so bad, I almost dropped the sword. She snarled, Die, honey! Then she flew straight at me. Absolute terror ran through my body. I did the only thing that came naturally. I swung the sword. The metal blade hit her shoulder and passed clean through her body, as if she were made of water. Miss Dogs was a sandcastle in a power fan. She exploded into yellow powder, vaporized on the spot, leaving nothing but a smell of sulfur and dying screech and chill of evil in the air, as if those glowing red eyes were still watching me. I was alone. There was a ballpoint pen in my hand. Mr. Brenner wasn't there. Nobody was there. My hands were still trembling. My lunch must have been contaminated with magic mushrooms or something. Had I imagined the whole thing? I went back outside. It started to rain. Grover was sitting by the fountain, a mu- museum map tented over his head. Nancy Bobbitt was standing there, soaked from her swim in the fountain, grumbling to her ugly friends. Then, when she saw me, she said, "I hope Miss Kerr whipped your butt." I said, "Who? Our teacher? Duh." I blinked. We had no teacher m- named Miss Kerr. I asked what Nancy was talking about. She just rolled her eyes and turned away. I asked Grover where Miss Dodds was. He said. Who? Then he paused first, like he wouldn't look at me. So I, kn- I knew he was messing with me. Not funny, man. This is serious. Thunder boomed overhead. I saw Mr. Brunner sitting under his red umbrella, reading his book, as if he'd never moved. I went over to him. He looked up, a little distracted. Ah, that would be my pen. Please bring your own writing utensil in the future, Mr. Jackson. I handed Mr. Brunner's pen. I hadn't even realized I was still holding it. Sir? I said, Where's Miss Dodds? He stared at me blankly. Who? The other chaperone, Miss Dodds, the pre algebra teacher. He frowned and sat forward, looking mildly concerned. Percy, there is no Miss Dodds on this trip, as far as I'm concerned. There never has been a Do- Miss Dodds at the Academy. Are you feeling all right? And that is the end of Chapter One. Wow. I'm so curious to figure out what will happen, and I hope you are too. And of course, you will try to figure out, you might try to figure out what happens early if you're as into Percy Jackson as me, of course. Well, next time I will be reading chapter two of Percy Jackson and the Olympians. Hopefully it will come out around next Friday or Monday. So, yeah. Until then, stay safe and keep adventuring. Bye!